What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John, and welcome to the very first episode of our brand new series, Talking Dread, where I convince, uh, convince people way more popular and successful in the horror and true crime community than me to come on here and waste about a half an hour to an hour talking to me. Uh, it's not going to be a weekly thing, hopefully maybe uh, twice a month or something like that. But uh, before we kick over to the guy sitting next to me, couple of things real quick. Don't forget to visit spreadthedreadpodcast.com. You're going to find links to all of our podcast platforms, as well as our YouTube and BitChute social media, our store. Uh, you can find links to our newly launched Patreon there as well. And if you're listening on uh, or watching on YouTube or BitChute, make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, and share. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leave a five-star review. Send that over to us on IG or Facebook. And we'll get you out some free five-star super spreader, spreadthedreadpodcast.com stickers. My inaugural guest for this, his name is DJ Remark. He is, uh, now you're not a musician, DJ, correct? Uh, Technically, no. I play a little guitar. I used to play drums. But uh, when I was looking for your short films on YouTube, there was literally a DJ, a legit DJ named DJ Remark. And yeah. I was like, all right, we, we got to help him get more famous in this DJ so that he can get all the copyrights to everything real quick. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I already but, got kicked off of Facebook because of him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole that's a whole story. I don't think you guys' fan base would be getting each other confused, to be fair. Yeah, you know, I don't think so either, but uh, Facebook definitely did. Right. Well, back to the more official uh, introduction. He is DJ Remark. He's the co-founder of Blood Scribe Creations. He is a writer and director of such short films as Good Works, What It Takes, and Bells. You can check out all three of those if you look up DJ Remark on YouTube. Again, not the music DJ, the horror DJ that's right next to me. Uh, You can check out all three of those short films on there, and I highly recommend you do. And he is also working on his upcoming... Now, DJ, uh, The Hellgate is going to be your first feature length, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. And uh, real quick and everything like that, uh, you can check him out at Blood Scribe Creations. Dot com and you can do the exact same thing, Bloodscribe Creations on IG. DJ, welcome to Talking Dread. Uh, for everything I didn't cover right there, and just to introduce yourself to the Dreadheads a little bit, give us a little bit more of a breakdown about who you are, what you're doing right now, and kind of where you come from, and then we'll get into some questions and banter back and forth a little bit. Yeah, sure. Well, I, re- I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I, I, I appreciate I don't know if... somebody saying yes, finally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I've, I've, I've listened to a few years of episodes and, and I'll follow you guys on Instagram. I, I, I was really I was really happy to, to get the invite. So thank you. I, oh, I, I really we, do appreciate that. The feelings mutual. Well, so, yeah, so I've been uh, I actually have been making short films since 2018. And, um, you know, it, it's always been that creative itch. And eventually I was like, I just got to make my movie. I just got to make a first, like I got to make my first feature. And so that's what, uh, that's what I started doing. I started writing the script uh, about this time last year and uh, trying to do some pre-production stuff. And uh, we are scheduled if all goes well uh, to start filming in April. So that's where, that's where we are. So now you just mentioned that now, is there any kind of like, um, GoFundMe, Indiegogo, or anything like that? Are you guys still raising money? Is there anything, if anyone wants to check out and is interested in investing, is there a link you want to plug for that or anything? Uh, yes, actually. So um, we have a link tree. It's just link tree, whatever that is, um, slash bloodscribe. And that um, I, you did send me that. So everyone listening, that will be down in the comments below the video and in the uh, the audio-only podcast of this as well. Yeah, and if and if you go to bloodscribecreations.com in the top right corner, there's a button there that says support indie film, and that goes to our that goes to our donations page. 
uh, because we're not doing crowdfunding for this, um, mainly because, you know, when you get into crowdfunding, because like we could have a whole conversation about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you get into crowdfunding, you know, like uh, it, unless you have like a recognizable name that has a real big following on social media, uh, your crowdfunding is pretty much just going to be seen by your friends and family. And if the one to 10 ratio is true, which it tends to be online, uh, only one out of every 10 friend and family members that uh, you're going to talk to is even going to go to the link. And then the 1% of them that go to that link are actually going to do anything. So Absolutely. we are, yes, we are looking for private investors. We're also looking for any cor any corporate sponsorships or anything like that uh, for the film. Uh, the film is really unique in that it targets two different subcultures, right? It targets the horror fans and it also targets metalheads, which I am one. I actually have right my, there with uh, you. I got my Master of Puppets shirt on. Very good. Um, yeah, favorite Metallica album. And then, uh, you know, right behind me, I got the first Nightmare on Elm Street uh, poster, which is a little crooked that I'm just now noticing. Hey, I've, but, got, uh, I've got I've got curtains and an armoire next to me, so you're still you're still beating me in spades on that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, we're hoping to reach out, you know, to all the different communities because uh, here in Florida, where we are filming it, uh, to try to help promote that and uh, and you know you know, get some money going to it. So we've raised, uh, we, we've actually raised a decent budget so far. Uh, but yes, we are always looking for more. So if you are interested in supporting into film, whether that's just, you know, a, like a $5 donation or, you know, you want to be a $10,000 investor, then please just hit, hit us up. We have everything you need. We have a pitch deck. We have a look trailer. We have, you know, investor proposal. We have, you know, we're, we're, we're very much going by the book on this. All right. All right. Well, yeah. So again, everyone, that link will be in the description on YouTube and uh, BitChute as well as for the podcast episode. So check that out if you want to sling some money and help them get this off the ground and running. So I think one of the, the easiest first questions to ask definitely is, so what started you on your love for horror movies? I myself grew up very religious, so horror movies always had a stigma. Uh, most of horror was relegated. I, I, am, I, I am in my late 30s, so most of my horror experience was relegated to sneaking to the aisle of the video store and getting to see all the fucked up box art and just only imagining what was going on in those movies. And then finding out later on that most of them were awful and the box art was the best part of it. So how did you get started? How old were you? And, uh, you know, before your love of horror, how did it bridge into loving horror to then wanting to create horror? Yeah. So, uh, my best friend and writing partner and co-founder of Bloodscribe, uh, Jason Orr, got me into horror. He showed me my first horror movie when I was 16. Oh, okay. and that you're was a late my, that bloomer was, like me then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and I was kind of the same way, grew up in a religious household. My parents, you know, were just absolutely not like we couldn't even, I'm trying to think of the most the, the tamest thing we couldn't even watch just because, you know, my parents are like, no, screw that. Oh, yeah. And um, and and I honestly never really had much of a curiosity for it. I liked watching my friends play Resident Evil. And, you know, and that, I thought that was really cool, you know, back with PlayStation 2. And I also played um, I played the Legacy of Kane oh, uh, yeah, game yeah. on Dreamcast, which I mean, just incredible story and just oh, yes. incredible game overall. But anyway, my very first horror movie was The Ring when I was 16 and I had to turn it off right <laughs> at the scene where they open the closet to the girl, who, you know, in the intro who died and like her oh, jaws all ripped open. Yeah, that's early on, too. Yeah, that, man. That and they is, get you. That is and, still to this day a very effective shot, though. Oh, my gosh. It's that, and that's a jump scare that like is not annoying and works. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. So like that that's earns awesome. the jump scare. It earns. Yeah. It from you. And, and for being a PG 13 movie, it yes. is fucking scary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Can we cuss? I'm sorry. Oh yeah. I, yeah. If you don't cuss half the audience will think that one of us is messed up or that that's something okay. went wrong. So yeah, you know, feel, be, be yourself. We, 
we aren't monetized and nor will we ever be. So we, we <laughs> we're, be yourself. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So anyway, so that's what it was. And um, after that, so I had to watch the ring three times after turning it off so many times because it was just like it was just it was I, I was 16. I never watched it like that. The scariest oh, yeah. thing I ever watched when I was before I was 16 was like a nightmare before Christmas. Like that, <laughs> or, like that was like the scariest thing that I that I that I watched. Uh, and, um, but what got me, I, I wanted to watch more after that. Yeah. Like my curiosity was peaked at that point. And really what the, what the part of the curiosity was, was like, how do they do it? You know, the makeup, the, yeah. uh, the special effects, like, how do they do it? I got to know how to do it. And if I was a little more artistically inclined, I would probably be a special effects makeup artist. Because yeah, to I me, took it seems that, like it'd be the coolest thing to just get to make fake body parts all day and make oh my money gosh. off of it. Like, that'd be great. And, and I would eat up the DVD extras of the making of, you know, these oh, movies yeah. and how they did it. And like, I started following Tom Savini real early on, you know, the goat and, you know, watching all of his stuff and just anything. I watched that face off show, you know, like oh, just yeah. everything. I just I, I couldn't get enough. How did they do it? And then that branched off into like sci fi movies like Alien and Predator you know, stuff like that, where it's like, how do they make these suits? How do they work? You know, and it's just so anyway, that's that's what it was. And so. As I started watching more and more horror, I also really started enjoying the more subtle storytelling storytelling aspects to horror and the uh, sort of deeper stories that you can tell through the vehicle of horror films. Oh, yeah. And I think Mike Flanagan is the best filmmaker to do that, to take the horror genre and use it as a vehicle to tell a deeper story. And so that is also what really amplifies my love for the genre. So now, um, were you always into like creative writing before you discovered horror? Like, would you have considered yourself like a writer before you were a horror fan? Um, so I took a bunch of creative writing classes. I actually, I actually came up in performing arts. So okay. I was fortunate enough to go to a performing arts middle school. I started back, you know, I went, uh, I was actually homeschooled up until fourth grade. And then in the fifth grade is when I, you had to audition to get into this school. Oh, wow. And um, so I I actually, uh, I auditioned in dance, got in, and then spent a year, fifth grade in dance. And then sixth grade on, I was in the drama department. Uh, and so I came up through that. And then in high school, I uh, had a, my high school was very involved in the arts. They built a black box theater for the new building that they were building when I was first going in. So like they I was very, very fortunate. And then the uh, I split my time in high school between doing academic studies at the school and being involved in the drama department and then also studying multimedia and digital design where I majored in video production at this like career center. So I would do that. And then I went off. So I've I've been involved. Right. And the reason it took me so long to actually get into filmmaking other than stupid videos with my friends <laughs> and like old world of warcraft machinima films which oh. you can't they, they are still on YouTube. yes oh yeah yeah the internet really <laughs> um, never dies no it doesn't and and uh so anyway um it's because i was like i had to pay i had bills to pay you know i had and 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 i was always still at that mindset well i'm probably not gonna be able to do this you know i gotta make money you know my parents were in were in my ear like you gotta get at least get a job and my parents are very supportive you know, as, as they were, they were very supportive, but you know, they, so they wanted me to take care of myself. Right. And instead of starving, you know, so I went into it and I worked in it for years until 2018 when I was like, I need to change or I'm going to put my head through this computer screen. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so I went and I went on Amazon 
bought a bunch of equipment, like not, not a bunch of, like I bought like two lights, a sound recorder, and I shot my first short film, which was not a horror on a galaxy S nine. So hey, people are surprised. I mean, that, that, and I think, and, and that segues kind of into like, you know, some of the stuff I wanted to talk to you about, you know, especially with indie filmmaking. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally now almost never been easier, uh, especially with smartphones. People just really, I don't think they, they, I think they would be surprised at some of the movies that they've potentially seen things that have even went into, to, to wide theatrical, at least that released that were shot on phones, the power of the cameras, even, you know, I, I think I have, this is like an iPhone 11 or 12 or something like that. I, I mean, it is astounding what you can do with these things. So even hearing that, you know, with the galaxy S nine. Yeah. I mean, it, it's never, do you, I would say this, at least I think the technology's never been easier. Do you think that the environment for an independent filmmaker and like just the tools that are out there, if you know how to find them, is it, is it easier now to be an independent filmmaker than ever? I mean, if someone's on the fence like you and they were saying, Hey, I really wanted to do this, but I, I can't, I can't afford it. I don't have the time. I don't have the know-how or stuff like that. I, I mean, is it now, is it, is it time to put up or shut up if they're those kind of, you know, kind of on the fence now? Uh, yes, it's, and, and, but I'll say that with, it's the best of times and it is the worst of times. <laughs> it's, it, it really is both. Yeah. Because the market, because of how easy it is, the market's even more saturated now. Right. And there's always, but there's always, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Mm. So, you know, if you're, it, I guess it depends on what your intent is. If you have to create art, you're going to find a way. Right. So if you're saying, oh, I don't have time, that's bullshit. It's, you're not prioritizing it. Anytime somebody says, I don't have time for something, what they're actually saying is, I don't have the, pri that's not a priority. Yeah, they're not scheduling the time for yeah. it. So that's what, why I so, tell anyone, you know, with doing the podcast and stuff like that, uh, if I would think of what I do with it now, when I was first getting ready to start it, I would have sat there and be like, I'll never have the time to do all that. But then yeah, I kind of started to take, I take inventory of, well, what was my time being used for beforehand? And you start realizing that you, you do have quite a bit of free time, but you're dedicating it to something else, even whether you, even if you're doing it on an autopilot, whether it's watching TV or playing video games or even just general hobbies. There is, there's always been 24 hours in a day. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's not always, and you know, that's not to be discouraging to no. say, oh, well, you, you don't prioritize it. But like you said, if you actually take inventory of what you do throughout the day, you can go, okay, this is how I spend my day. What do I, how much do I prioritize making a, a, even a short film? And what am I willing to sacrifice even for a month? Right. It's not like you have to put, it's not like you have to give it up forever. You know, it's yeah. just how, how much are you willing to sacrifice? You know, even if it's, there's so many stories out there of, of people that have made movies on nothing or with nothing or by themselves. Right. You know, I mean, like when the pandemic hit in 2020, there's a fantastic movie that came out that was filmed on Zoom. It's called Host. Very good movie, by the way. So, I mean, incredible film. Yes. You know, the last scene and no spoilers. The last scene is the only scene where it's like, all right, that probably took some work. Right. But everything else was a Zoom, a Zoom call. But exactly. it was a great little story, good acting all around, and some really genuinely good scares. Oh, yeah. And and it's just, just super creative. So it's like, but but you have to have that. You have to prioritize that. You have to have that drive. You have to have that want. So I would say it is, it is incredibly easy now. But at the same time, it's going to be very hard because when you try to like sell that, if that's what you want to do, uh, you're going to have to have something. You're going to have right. to have, you're going to have to have a Blair Witch. You're going to have to have a paranormal activity. You're going to have to have a lights out, you know, but if you don't, that's still okay. Because 
now you can now you have something to learn from to go on to the next one. And maybe that's going to be your lights out. Maybe that's going to be your. Right. And you're and you're right there, because I think a lot of people get caught up in the success, because whether it's podcasting, whether it's making movies, everyone knows a certain way. Even if you don't know jack shit about podcasting, there's a handful of them that everybody knows. They're just in pop culture now, uh, Rogan and, and a few others. So everyone just you everyone starts to compare themselves. And a lot of people don't know that they think, oh, Joe Rogan was a celebrity, right? When he was. But when he started podcasting, it was over a decade ago. Nobody was doing it. They were doing it on shitty cameras. It was terrible quality, but they didn't stop. The same thing if you want to make a YouTube channel or anything like that. They all think about the guys who who have millions and millions of followers, but they don't know that they've been making videos for five or six years. You know, right. you, you have to put it in. So I think that's a lot of the things, too, is that it, when it comes to making a film, you have to be cool with being like, I just want to make a film. I'm probably never going to get my money back for it. Um, I it, No one outside of my immediate circle may ever see it. But a lot of the people like you mentioned, like the Blair Witches, the Paranormal Activities and stuff like that, and, and some even other smaller budget ones that have gotten a little bit of notoriety. They didn't plan for that to happen. I, right. Most of them didn't. It, it was a fluke. And yeah, that's why they're know, called. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why they are called what they are. Right. You know, because, because it, because it is a fluke, but you could be that fluke. Exactly. You know, and they you, would not have been if they had sat there and worried about if Blair Witch was worried about thinking about making a hundred million dollars at the box office, we would have never gotten Blair Witch. Right. You know, and the same thing with all of that stuff. So, you know, I, I totally agree with that. So I think some of the other things that, that, and I really wanted to, to, to touch on this with you as well. I think a lot of the other people who want to get into movies, they really don't know or get into short film very much. They're all thinking about a feature length. And, you know, generally kind of a rule of thumb when you're writing a script is uh, about a page or so equals one minute roughly on the screen. So then if they're writing and directing, oh, I've got to I've got to write over 100 pages or 120 pages, then edit that down. And I got to film all this stuff. They don't really think about, you know, learning to crawl before you walk. So. What do you think is the, you know, what drew you to doing a short, you know, doing multiple short films? What do you think is the benefit of that? You know, you've, I've mentioned three, how many short films have you done before finally trying to tackle a feature link? Six and two music videos. So, yeah. So there you go. So what's, what do you, I mean, apart from obviously you, you learned a lot during that whole process. I mean, what do you think is the, the reason people should be more interested in doing short film first and what's the benefits of it? Uh, so short films is practice. Right. And it's you got to cut your teeth on them. They're not going to be good. Or maybe they will. But you I, just I like your short films. But now I watched the three you suggested. I haven't seen all the other ones. So but but well, I can clearly I mean, tell that when I watched them, I, I actually watched them in reverse of when they came out. So I watched your most recent one. Was that uh, what it takes? Yeah, it's the most recent. Yeah. And then went backwards. And I was watching with Joe, my, my wife and co-host. And I was, you know, we were enjoying him. And she was like, yeah, she's like, wow, you could really tell how much more comfortable behind the camera he got. And stuff like that, you know, even between those, you know, the years that those had came out. So, yeah, it's very apparent when you do it. Well, thank you. And 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 I, I appreciate the compliment, but, you know, they're obviously not perfect. And there's obviously things that you can learn from it and things that you can always improve on. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, just, you know, just go out and just do it. And don't try, don't try to be Spielberg. Don't try to be, you know, don't try to be Flanagan. Don't try to be James Wan. Just go out there and be you. Tell your story, make your short film, you know, and learn from it and take good feedback. Yes. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, the problem with the, with filmmaking and filmmakers is and, and directors is you 
is 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 ego. And you have to have one, okay? It's not bad. Having an ego is not bad. You have to have one. But you have to be able to keep it in check and you have to be able to take good criticism. And one of the one of the quotes that I always kind of keep in mind is eat the meat, spit out the bones. Yeah. So whenever you get criticism, whatever that is, you know, and especially if it's, you know, if if it's well-intended criticism, you can always tell when somebody's just trying to be a dickhead, right? Absolutely. That, that, that's all bones. You don't have to take who who gives a shit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. But people that are actually trying to give good feedback, you have to want it, you have to really digest that and go, okay, how can I improve the next time with that? And then actually apply that stuff right. to the next, to the next one. And um, I was gonna I was initially going to just jump into features. And my friend, uh, Roger Connors, who uh, is is way more experienced than me, and, and I, we've worked on some films together, and he's currently working on his uh, feature film, Meet, which is, uh, it's very unique, uh, and, and I can't wait to see. I, I, I contributed to their, their uh, Indiegogo, um, and, and I, I really want to see them succeed. Um, but he told me that I should probably start on short films first. And I was like, you know what, man, that's a good idea. You're you're right. I, I should do that. I shouldn't just jump into a feature film, even though I've already like I've been in a couple of low, you know, terrible low budget films that, you know, will eventually get out there. But I mean, they're out there. You can you can watch them there. One of them's on Amazon. It's called Chill. You know, oh, okay. Chill now, the Killing now, I'm gonna, now I'm going to check that out. I yeah, check, check it out. out it's, <laughs> check. Yeah, go check it out. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, I, I, I was like, well, I, I know how we did that. So I'll just do that. Right. And it's and and he was like, yeah, I think you should do some short films first. And I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. So I got with Jason and I was like, hey, man, we're going to start making some short films. What do you got? Let's 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 write up a script. And uh, we actually entered into a uh, couple of film competitions, which was the basis for these short films to sort of also give us some guidelines that we can play, right. in, you know, and not and not like expand out, you know, and, and try to do things that are, you know, that are that are way too big. So, you know, it's always good to have a sandbox that actually has a box. Right. Um, and, you, and you get a lot more things- creativity that way. Right. And that's another thing, too, that a lot of people don't think about is like go to the IMDb or the Wikipedia of your favorite director, no matter what the genre. And you are going to see almost always several short films before they ever did a feature. And nine times out of 10, they're going to have a couple of features listed that you have never heard of. Right. And that's where you're talking. And I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of festivals for short films. And that's and that's. A, it's a way to get good feedback from people who actually are in the 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 scene, as it were. Uh, but it's that's a good way to get noticed as well, you know. Because I mean, several of yours had several accolades, you know, like on your YouTube title cards and stuff like that. And that's that is good. That 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 it's experience and it does get your name out there and it doesn't put the pressure of, you know, again, 120 written pages and you know weeks and weeks of shooting and then months of editing and things like that. Yeah. And I'm still learning uh, in the in the feature filmmaking process. I mean, with with the short films that I've done and everything else that I've been involved with, I'm still learning about just the absolute bear that is pre-production for a independent, low budget movie, even a horror one. Right. You know, I mean, like, especially if you're trying to do things right and you're trying to do things professionally, you know, if you're trying to cut corners and do all this stuff, whatever. But that's not what that's not what we're trying to do. You know, we're right. trying to pull permits. We're trying to get, you know, actual script breakdowns. We're trying to, you know, have a real budget sheet and, you know, get all the, you know, have our contingencies. And, you know, I have an entertainment lawyer that is going to be looking over and that's going to be looking over contracts and stuff, you know, like we're and, and it's a lot of money. That's, yeah. you know, those guys are not cheap. No, so they don't know, care about your dream. 
Right. You know, like they could give two shits if your movie, as long as their check clears, they don't give two shits what happens with your movie. Right. But the good thing, the good thing about it is that they're professionals and they know right. they're, they're going to work for you. If you pay them, they're going to work for you and they're going to give you a, you know, they're going to give you good advice and, you know, solid, you know, legal stuff to, so that nothing can bite you in the ass later. So before we start wrapping up, um, I, I, I want to talk more. Let's close out with the project you're working on now, the Hellgate. Yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody a little bit about like, you know, kind of what it's supposed to be about some of the people that are attached to it and kind of, you know, just a little bit more about that before we send them out of here. Yeah, sure. So the Hellgate is about two uh, YouTubers who are, um, they're on the wrong side of 30. No, they're on the, sorry, they're on the wrong side of 20. They're pushing. Say, I'm on the wrong side of 30, right. but, uh, but where's they're, my the, movie? <laughs> so, so am I. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're on the, they're on the wrong side of 20. They're pushing 30. They're trying to do uh, they're trying to have a YouTube channel about horror movies and metal music uh, because that's their passion. Uh, right. But the problem is nobody's watching. And it's, uh, so it's two girls who are trying to do this. They try some gimmicks, but it's just, you know, they're just getting lost in the space until one night as they are drunkenly trespassing through a graveyard to get home. They accidentally capture footage of a ghost on their phone. They upload the footage to their channel. Their popularity explodes and their haunting begins. Oh, nice. Okay. So I love the plot synopsis breakdown there of that. Now, is this an idea that you kind of had for a little bit? Is this, uh, you know, that you were waiting to, 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 you know, you were like, hey, I've had this idea for a couple of years, but it has to be a feature or something like that. Or is this kind of a newer idea that came to you? So this idea was, uh, it, it came to me because I was like, all right, I'm, I got to make my first feature. What can I make that I can shoot by myself that I don't have to have a lot of locations for that I can, you know, that I can make with the smallest cast and crew sizes possible. Right. Uh, and, and so that's, that's where it came from. And I was like, and what else, what's topical, you know, or, and not, and not really what's topical, but like, what am I into and what do I think I can easily write? And the what big do you challenge, know? write what you know. That's always a good thing too. When they talk about write what you know, right? And but the big challenge is that the two leads are two girls or two female. I you know I, it's very hard to write female characters when you're not one, right? right. So yeah. so so a lot of this script was me sending it off to some 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 female writers that I know and some friends and going, hey, do these girls sound like girls? You know, even right. though one of them is rough around the edges and you know kind of an extrovert and whatnot, do they sound? Does this sound like something that you know women and girls would would you know be doing or talking about? You know, and not just a couple of dudes talking. And the first draft, it was sounded like a couple of dudes talking. So I like, so, you know, duh. So I'm now three drafts and ready to shoot. Dialogue feels good. Characters are, you know, unique and have good, you know, good arcs. And I think we have a really fun story. And it's, it's my, uh, it's a love letter to horror movies and metal music, which are the two things that I, that I just absolutely love. And so I think both fans of those movies are really going to like this movie because I also wanted to make something fun and, you know, and scary at the same time. So, so you're kind of going for a horror comedy vibe with this or. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some stuff like that, but it's, you know, there, there's some there's some pretty adventurous stuff in there as well. The last scene is pretty bonkers, you know, when we're in the when we're in the climax. But yeah, I mean, like there's some jokes in there. We poke fun at like Stranger Things and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's a good time. Well, hey. DJ, thank you again so much for agreeing to come on this inaugural episode of Talking Dread. Uh, one more quick thing here. Any links you want to plug, maybe you'll plug them better than I did, or you could think of some links. 
that uh, I haven't thought of yet that you want to let everybody know as we close this episode out? Uh, yeah, just bloodscribecreations.com. That's the website or our Instagram, which is bloodscribecreations. That's the, the two easiest ways. Uh, you can please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's DJ Remark. Um, and you'll see all my short films on there. You'll see all the creative stuff that I do. You'll see my, the restaurant videos that I do in order to pay my bills. <laughs> so you'll see that you'll see those on there, but, uh, I, you know, I, I do try to make it as much of a filmmaking YouTube channel as possible. Um, and again, so. all of every link he mentioned will be in the comments of YouTube and BitChute as well as the podcast as well. DJ, thank you so much. I enjoyed this very, very much. And, uh, Maybe once we start talking about post-production on the Hellgate, we'll have you back on and kind of see where all that's going and uh, give everybody an update on what's going on in your world. Yeah, that, that'll be great. Thanks, John. And I, and I appreciate the invite. This was a lot of fun. All right, Dreadheads, make sure that you show this episode some love and show DJ and Bloodscribe Creation some love. As I always close out, I do it by saying I'm John, and I'll talk to you next time. Shut up!